You're a sports reporter. And a big part of your job is covering sports media. Who's calling games, for what networks, the business of sports television, and so on. Of course, for a few months, there were no sports on television, so there wasn't anything for you to cover. Now, they're back, but with lots of changes. It was eerie, greeny, it was weird, you have piped in noise. This is what pandemic baseball is going to be like. It's going to take some getting used to from the players. From no fans on site to, in most cases, no broadcasters on site. Everything's different. It's a brand new world, and it's your job to write about it. I'm Dan Schulman, and this is A Swing and a Belt. It's been 267 days since the Washington Nationals claimed victory in Game 7 of last year's World Series. Never in the league's long history has there been such a stretch without Major League Baseball. Tonight, our national pastime returns, but in a way nobody could have seen coming just a few short months ago. No fans, no high fives, but no problem, because baseball is back. Richard Deitch, like myself, leads a bit of a multinational life, part Canadian, part American. Deitch was a reporter at Sports Illustrated for many years and more recently has been with The Athletic, where he covers sports media. In addition, he has now moved to Canada, where he is a co-host on Writer's Block, the afternoon show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, and is also the co-host of the Sports on Pause podcast, covering how COVID has impacted the sports world. So, in obvious full disclosure, Richard and I are colleagues in the Rogers Sportsnet and fan families. Richard, thanks for joining me today. Dan, good to be with you. I have to be honest with you, Dan. Anytime I hear a resume, even a partial resume of mine, like verbalized out loud, it is so uncomfortable. I don't know. How that's come? that's 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 probably being the son of a shrink, but it <laughs> man, it is weird to hear. But it, great to be with you. Well, thank you. So why did you get into something and maybe you didn't intend to? Why are you in a job that puts you in the public eye if you are uh, hesitant to have people talk about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is what the 12 years of therapy, Dan, is uh, trying to examine. <laughs> I think because in having written for now a decade plus about media people, including yourself, um, I'll just be blunt. Narcissism is an absolute characteristic <laughs> of many of us. And so, yeah, I am one who, on the one hand, I certainly enjoy all my jobs that I have that are public. On the other hand, it still sort of remains very odd to me to hear a resume or to even hear the sound of my own voice on on one of the platforms I yep. work. I imagine that will... Uh, that will continue until my professional career is over. Yeah, it could be. I get it to a certain extent. I, I don't. The, the sound of my own voice doesn't bother me, but the sight of myself on television is something that I'm never comfortable with. So if I'm ever watching like a replay of a game to hear how something sounded, I will fast forward through the on-camera stuff and just to get to the play that I wanted. But, uh, you know, we've all got hang-ups and issues. Yeah, what I think do? that's normal, Dan. I think yeah, that's okay. normal. So first of all, uh, just in general, how happy are you to have sports back? I mean, you do, you know, an afternoon talk show, and uh, I did talk radio during the NHL lockout and the baseball strike, and, and it's hard. How happy are you just to have stuff to talk about again? Ecstatic. The show at, in Toronto that I co-host with Jeff Blair and Stephen Brunt for many months, we really examined the impact of COVID-19 on all these sports leagues and return to play plans and what it might mean both financially as well as um, as well as on the field if we were going to have cancellations. We did so much stuff for a couple of months, Dan, where we really 
you know, we rarely talked about anything that was related to like roster composition. It was more macro stuff of, okay, you know, what do they have to do to get back? Can the bubble prospect work? It was sort of all of these larger, larger issues. So, you know, to now do shows on like, well, you know, what is the uh, Raptors strength against the Nets or, you know, who should be leading off for the Blue Jays and should they, you know, at the trade deadline, make a move to try to go for one of these last playoff spots or should they strictly make it a developmental league? The last couple of weeks have been great, not because COVID-19 has gone, it certainly has not, but we're just able to like broaden our sports talk discussion. So, so it's been fantastic. It is very <laughs> weird, as I'm sure you would agree, to have some of these sports in August that we've never had before, but honestly, it's very welcome and I find myself I have to be honest, I find myself adjusting to watching these games without crowds and watching these games in very untraditional manners uh, quite easily. I don't often think about the fact that we're in this new universe when I'm watching the games. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the new normal becomes just the normal pretty quickly. And I, I want to explore that with you. But, it, but something you said made me want to ask something else. So let's go back a little bit to when the, the Marlins and the Cardinals were having their outbreaks. And you know, you're on the air and you're happy to be talking about roster composition and standings and games and scores and all that. But at the same time, there's real world problems happening very close within baseball. And that could spread beyond baseball. Do you ever find yourself in conflict between, hey, as a sports analyst, commentator, broadcaster, I'm happy games are back and I got to talk about this. But just as a person, I'm really, really concerned about whether they should even be playing. Did you have to juggle that at all? Of course, and not to mention the fact that we both work for Rogers, which owns the team. So there's right. this sort of inherent conflict in that as you're talking about the team itself. You know, one of the reasons I I'm not just saying this obviously because I work here now, but one of the things I, I've always enjoyed about Canadian sports talk radio, and I thought this long before I ever moved from New York to Canada, was the conversations or the interviews on Canadian sports radio are different than America, and I think Dan is someone who works in both worlds, you agree with me. It's not about sort of who at the end of a segment wins a debate. It's not <laughs> about confrontation radio. It's more than not about exploration radio. And so one of the things I've appreciated from 590 is the ability to actually literally discuss that internal conflict that you have. And Jeff Blair and Stephen Brunton and myself have absolutely gone down that road where we have many times talked about the fact that it feels so unimportant or perhaps wrong to be discussing transactional things while people are dying elsewhere, right. while people are contracting this virus. At the same time, I think if you acknowledge it to the audience and you acknowledge that inherent conflict, I think they respect it because I would imagine as sports fans, they're going through the same kind of thing. So we, we haven't, at least in my opinion, we haven't avoided it. And absolutely, I think... I just don't think you're human if you don't acknowledge the fact that you're talking about at the end of the day games, even though they're important games and games that produce a lot of revenue versus real life stuff, you right. know, life and death. I'm interested. I mean, I'm interested in both halves of your job, but I'm more interested in the U.S. version of Richard Deitch today. So that is the media columnist for The Athletic who's been writing about covering sports media, the, the business of broadcasting for many, many years for Sports Illustrated and now for The Athletic. So sports are back and we get to talk about them, but sports are also on TV. And as you mentioned, in a very different form, no fans. There are so many differences. I'm experiencing it firsthand 
as a Blue Jays broadcaster. So give me your impressions, whether it's baseball specifically or branching out into other sports, like that first night you sat down to watch, whether it's a Blue Jay game or an ESPN or Fox or an NBA game, whatever the case may be, you know, what are some of the things that kind of jumped off the television screen at you? Well, so first off, I think I'm a different viewer because you got to keep in mind that I talk to a lot of the production people. So I think I have an inherent appreciation of how challenging the job is. And I think when I watch the games, I watch it through that prism. I watch it through the prism of this was a very, very hard thing to sort of put on. And I'm not going to, to use a cliche, nickel dime them on mistakes that happen given these extraordinary circumstances. So my first impression was that one, they were able to put it on, which in itself I think is, and you could appreciate this, Dan, is a minor miracle. When you have games that are existing at a park and when you have broadcasters who are working remotely either at a studio or remotely working at home, you got to keep in mind that people are constructing all sorts of new cameras for the broadcasters, all sorts of audio, all sorts of talkback devices, so that all of this can work in conjunction. And then if you're a director and a producer, you may have one broadcaster in at his home or her home in one place, one broadcaster at his or her home at the stadium, and then you're in a third location as well. So the juggling part of this to me has been really, really extraordinary. At first, when I watched these games, not having a crowd really, really stood out. Even if a place like Fox would throw in enhanced audio, which NBC did with the Premier League, we're seeing baseball on uh, certainly on Fox uh, throwing enhanced audio in there. All that stuff was a little bit odd for me at first. Just the having the non-traditional sounds of the game sort of coming out in front of me. But it took me, and I think this was the thing that really was interesting for me. It took me a very short amount of time just to get used to the new normal. And I think I'm like most fans in that. Yeah, you watch an NBA game and the board behind the players with, you know, sponsored board behind the players with people who are electronically imposed in the arena. Very odd and weird. Still sort of amusing to see the cardboard cutouts in baseball (laughs) that are behind home plate. If you listen to the game on radio, the radio broadcasters are a tick off or a tick late on their home run calls, again, understandably. So it's different, unquestionably different. But I think, interestingly and pretty cool, the fact that it's not so different that you still cannot enjoy the competition. You still can't enjoy the games. And I think, by and large, that if you remember, Dan, for all these sports coming back, the first week you heard a lot about the technical part of the broadcast. Oh, you know, I want natural sound. I don't want natural sound. Why isn't this a camera angle here? Where is this camera angle? You don't hear that for the NHL, the NBA, or MLB anymore. It's mostly now the conversation is about the play on the field. And I would expect that for football and college football as well, which will be a little bit different. But it tells you that the sports public is very quick to adopt when it comes to televised games. Yeah. And I think they've obviously, in general, been very understanding about the fact that we are in a global crisis right now, too, Correct. and everybody's just doing the best that they can do. But but you're, you're right. Like the first home run I called on opening day in a Blue Jays game, I immediately went home and, and watched it back because I didn't know if I'd been too loud or too quiet. Did it sound real? Did it sound forced? And then after the third day, you don't even think about it anymore. And then you go to commercial break and you go, man, you almost forget you're sitting in a studio. You just kind of get into the moment as a broadcaster, just like you get into the moment as a viewer, I guess, which I I hope is a good thing. What what can you tell us about ratings? I know you track ratings, whether it's baseball on, uh, and I guess I'm speaking more for U.S. here, like ESPN, Fox Baseball, NBA, NHL on NBC. How have ratings been during this time? 
it's not apples to apples because like all of this stuff is being shown at different times. So it'd be hard to sort of compare, just think about it logically, a 1 p.m. Eastern time game to last year, which would have been a primetime game or vice versa. So understanding that the comparisons can't be perfect, most stuff is up. Baseball nationally is up a tick in terms of the overall – Fox presentations and overall ESPN presentations, you will get certain games that are really, really way down. Like, for instance, Fox did the Brewers Cubs uh, a couple days ago. That was the the network's least watched primetime window since 2016. But then ESPN or Fox will have a game that's up over the closest comparison the year before. Probably when it comes to baseball, I think the most interesting data point that we've seen is in the regional network, so the networks across the United States of America that broadcast locally, major league teams have a significant uptick in men between 18 and 34. So there was a Fox guy who tracks this stuff, a guy named Mike Mulvihill. He's a ratings expert. Admittedly, works for Fox, doesn't sort of proclaim not to, so he's invested in baseball and invested in pushing in a, a positive baseball narrative. That said, The Athletics, the Dodgers, the Rays, the Cardinals, the Rangers, the Phillies, the Cubs are all up over 100% ratings increase among men 18 to 34 from last year. So that strikes me that you have a lot more people, Dan, who are clearly at home or have the ability to watch sports at home where they might be out. And that's a particular demographic, men 18 to 34, with a lot of discretionary income. So it's a it's an advertising demo that advertisers would want. The more important demo is the 18 to 45 demo, rightly or wrongly. But it's a demo, obviously, that's attractive. So what we're seeing is, at least locally, we're seeing more younger people watching baseball. Nationally, it's a little bit up, but it's not dramatically up, which I think sort of also tells you a story about the interest in baseball nationally because the NHL is way up nationally in terms of these games in the playoffs. The NBA is down. It's probably a number of reasons for the NBA being down at this point, but you go to some other data points. NASCAR had a great run where it was way up. Premier League games were up. So again, it's not perfect, but what the sort of the data or the ratings will tell you is that people are interested in watching these games and there's significant value to having live sports. The only thing that sort of will beat live sports on any kind of nightly basis in America is essentially the cable news shows on Fox News and and the CNNs and MSNBCs. Otherwise, right. this is incredibly valuable programming. And then when it gets to the major Sunday NFL games, once again, nothing's going to touch this. I would expect the NFL to have great viewership numbers and be far and away the most dominant slice of programming yeah. in television right now. As it always is. Yeah. Yep. You know, what's interesting is is here in Canada, as you know, the, the Blue Jay home games, for lack of a better term, the Buffalo games, the games where the Blue Jays control the times, those are 6.30 games. But the Orioles and Red Sox have gone to 7.30 games. Some teams are going earlier. Some teams are going later. Obviously, you don't have to worry about fans coming to the ballpark anymore. So it's obviously based on their perception of what makes it the best television property they can be. And they're also competing with NBA and NHL games now, which they're not used to doing. But, you know, I wonder about the start times and what's good and what's bad. And I wonder about October. Like, wouldn't it be nuts if on the weekend in October, if a World Series game was played during the day? Like, I know it's not going to happen, but, you know, as a, as a tribute to years gone by. But I, I would assume right now, television executives, Richard, I mean, 
everything has to be considered. Everything has to be on the table because it's just such a different world we're living in right now. Yeah, I mean, here's the reality, Dan. This is a guy who works for NBC who sort of famously told me this. You know, when people used to complain about NBC's Olympic coverage against the CBC or the BBC, the guy said, okay, fine. You know, make us a nonprofit sponsored by the government and I'll put live Olympics on anytime you want. Right. Like, so the, sort of the larger point is like, never forget that these are for-profit entities and profit is what they care about most beyond anything else. So you are never, in my opinion, going to see high-valued programming not being put in the most possible position where the most eyeballs will be there. And the reality is the most eyeballs for any of these events are games that will start at like 830 or nine o'clock. You know, people say, oh, you know, we have a lot of like sports media critics over the years who are like, you know, baseball, losing a generation of fans, it starts too late. I, I mean, I, I, my, I sort of roll my eyes at it because like every single data will tell you that the games will get the most viewing at 1030 Eastern time, you know, maybe sort of peaking in around 11 o'clock, 1115 Eastern time. That's just a reality. Like these networks pay billions of dollars for this product. And I'm not saying I like it. I don't. I think networks do a lot of stuff that's quite frankly incredibly anti-viewer, but that's not the point. The point is they buy these properties to make money. And so you are not going to see like a World Series game being played in the day unless somehow the networks can make it worth their time. Now, mm -hmm. for instance, Dan, here's like a pie in the sky thing. I don't think this will happen, but I'll give you an example. If all of a sudden Amazon said, okay, Fox, we want to have a Baseball Day in America, World Series Game 3, that we want to air at 2 o'clock so all these kids could watch it. We're going to give you $20 million to be the or you know, $50 million to be the sponsor of that game. We're the only advertiser that gets to sponsor. Here you go. Well, maybe Fox is like, you know what? We just made a ton of money on this. MLB says, okay, it's cool. And then they make it a 2 o'clock start. Like, that's the only way something like this is going to happen. Where the NFL obviously turned out to be genius is because it's a once-a-week game, Dan. Right. You can schedule these games at times when people are home, when kids are up. It's a Sunday, so people aren't working. You know That's, that's the benefit of having a once-a-week league. But whether it's baseball or the NHL and the NBA, I, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think in our lifetime you're ever going to see those finals ever going back to the afternoon as much as we'd all want it. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Broader question, how do you think the pandemic, and this is so hard to answer, affects the business of baseball going forward? We already saw one new television contract in the U.S. TBS re-upped and did a new deal for more money with Major League Baseball. That was announced during the negotiations between the players and the owners before the season ever resumed. Do you think that long-term, the value of television baseball is impacted by this pandemic? No. Long term, the, the media rights contracts for baseball and other sports will not be heard at all. I think if you bet on sports media rights property going down, major ones, you're, you're making a losing bet. Uh, history will tell you that. What will change, and I think you're seeing this as well, Dan, already, you will see the production of baseball change dramatically, and it will be done for cost purposes. You will see, in my opinion, less games where there's a production truck and or perhaps broadcasters at the stadium not necessarily home games, but I would be stunned if over the next five years, regional sports networks start not sending their broadcasters on the road to all of their games and they do games from studio. Maybe if it's a important game in September or something like that, you send your local broadcast crew, but I would almost guarantee that will exist to save money. You may um, start to see a reduction in salaries among those who call the games where you can, unless it's somebody who's very, very well-known in market, you bring in somebody at a much more cheaper rate 
you know, I think the other thing to sort of figure out is whether one of these digital players gets involved ever in baseball with a real package, whether that's an Amazon or a Twitter or a Facebook. They've sort of dipped their toes into this a couple of times, but they've never really gone big. You know, Facebook has a little bit, but they've never really gone big. And I wonder if that will be of interest to them. But the thing that I've always seen, Dan, and this is um, this is something that's sort of been happening in baseball for now a couple of decades, and I think every year it gets more apparent. Baseball really is a regional sport. That's not to say that 10 million, 12 million people won't watch the World Series, and certainly 30 million people watch the World Series if it's like the Cubs trying to win their first World Series in you know however many years. But it's sort of like a bigger version of hockey in that regionally it is so... It's very good programming. People care about it so much, but it has become much more of a harder proposition, say, to get somebody who lives in Boston, Massachusetts, interested in like the Dodgers versus Tigers World Series. And um, maybe that's for every sport except the NFL, but that's one of the challenges baseball has is I think it continues sort of on a on an every year basis, slowly declining as more of a national play, at least when it comes to television and media, and a much stronger regional play. I don't have the answer as to what how that changes outside of if you can somehow brand stars like a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan who become just so interesting to people across the country. But that's very hard, obviously, for a baseball player because you know a baseball player is not on the court the way uh, or the field and impacting every possession the way a Jordan. LeBron can. So it's still a great game and it's still a, a certainly an important game and an important property for these networks, but it's not as important a property nationally. All that said, Dan, everything I just said, that has no impact on the Foxes and the Turners and anybody else who wants in because sports programming remains so valuable because it is the only essentially DVR, PVR proof programming that exists today. You have to watch it live. All right. Uh, look into your crystal ball. It's game seven of the World Series. Where is it being played? Will there be any fans in the stands? And I think I know the answer to that one. And will Joe Buck be in the ballpark calling it for Fox TV? And will I be in the ballpark calling it for ESPN Radio? Well, first of all, it won't be played in Canada. And thank you very much, Canadian officials. Let's be smart about this. I appreciate that. That's a good question, Dan. So we're September, October, flu season kicks in. I do Not that far away. Yeah, I do think, unfortunately, we're going to get a little bit of a second wave. I do think it will be played in a stadium. Wherever that will be, I do think Joe Buck will be on site. Joe Buck and John Smoltz will be on site in that stadium with a probably a reporter like a Ken Rosenthal on the field who will conduct interviews at a socially distanced the way sort of all the different people around the country have done it. I think the pregame show will be in Los Angeles. I do not think they will be at the stadium, although if the Dodgers make it, you, maybe you can sort of get around it. The radio one, Dan? I apologize for saying this because I hope you're not bothered by this. If I had to bet, I would bet you would be calling ESPN radio games either from Toronto or if the travel restrictions uh, have abated by then, a studio in Bristol. I hope I'm wrong, but that's my guess. Yeah, no, it doesn't bother me. I've considered all scenarios. Listen, I've started thinking about college basketball. Like, that's not that far away, right? Uh, Yeah. That's that's only a a week or two after the end of the World Series, and, and, and who knows how that's going to work. But. You know, like we said off the top, this is a, a much bigger situation than any of us, and sports is just our little, you know, play corner of the real world. So I think, you know, you, you know anything we can salvage, anything we can manage, I think we've all got to be grateful for it at this point. I agree. You know, the one thing is it's um, 
I'm a realist and I'm somebody who obviously, if anybody who follows my Twitter feed, sort of has far in- interests far greater than sports and certainly in the state of my home country at the moment, even though I'm not living there. But the reality is like sports really does play an important role in our lives in terms of it does make us feel normal. It does provide a welcome distraction from what has been one of the hardest years on record. So I appreciate any league that has gone about this with safety considerations first and foremost, and trying to make it work while protecting personnel and staff. And I think certainly the NHL and the NBA deserve all the credit in the world. Baseball is a much longer discussion in terms of whether you think they've done that. But the the reality is, like, it is an important thing in people's lives. And if 2020 sort of, Dan, in terms of sports, really sort of, I hope, has taught you everything, it's taught you just how fragile this stuff is and how important it is that we protect everybody so that we can have all the sports that we love. And this month, at least, I'll be honest with you, it's made it's made sort of living in a pandemic a little bit easier to be able to turn on your television and, and watch like so many different things over the course of a day. Yeah, there's no question. It's totally okay to be very concerned about the state of the world and also be very grateful and be able to enjoy a sporting event. Those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive in my mind. They can both exist, you know, within each of us. And, and, and I'm with you. Calling a game, watching a game, reading about a game, it helps you get through the tougher times. It does. Yeah. And please, uh, when you're trying to get through the tougher times, head over to Writer's Block between three and five <laughs> daily on Sportsnet 5. We, I listened to it in the car on the way down to the Sportsnet studio to call Blue Jay games uh, on a regular basis. So, Richard, thank you for the time. We enjoy having you in Canada. We enjoy your your perspective on everything, the podcast, the radio show, the athletic column. Uh, you do a great job at everything you do, and I want to thank you for spending some time with me today. Thank you, Dan. I'm not going anywhere, not to mention the fact that at the moment I can't get back to the country. So there you go. <laughs> All right. You're one of us now. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. As you just heard, there are a lot of changes going on in our little corner of the sports world, the TV and radio coverage of the games themselves. Some things will probably revert to the way they used to be eventually, but as Richard says, some won't. Time will tell, and needless to say, I'll be pretty interested in how all of this looks a few years from now. That'll do it for this episode of A Swing and a Belt, produced as always by Christian Ryan. Thank you for listening. I'm Dan Schulman, and we hope you'll join us again next time.